1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week we're revisiting a conversation I had with John Acuff on his book, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. And if you're unfamiliar with John Acuff, let's just say he is very astute when it comes to observations, when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to career, when it comes to starting something, transitioning out of something old and into something new. And so his book Finish was a natural progression of his work because it talks about setting goals and then finishing those goals. It's one thing to start goals, but come on, what we really want is to be able to get to the other end of being done, having finished those goals. And that's what this book is about. And that's what this conversation is about. I've followed John for a long time. I've gone to a few different conferences where he either was heading it up or spoke at it. We've talked a number of times. And unequivocally, this book is one of the books you need to have in your arsenal when it comes to goals and getting things done. The strategies that he outlines in the book and in this conversation move past perfectionism and disarm those things that can be the downfall of completing your goals and since we're starting off a new year we've all just gone through 2020 and we're kicking off 2021 with some positivity with some energy and with some clear ideas of what we want to happen this year i thought hey this conversation makes a lot of sense to revisit so i'll get out of the way and just say enjoy this conversation with john acuff well this week it is my privilege to welcome back to the show finally john acuff welcome back john yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. So we were just talking. A lot of time has passed. But one thing still rings true to me, which is why I wasn't surprised when the title of this book came out, which is finish. You have this saying, and I remember tweeting it and getting like the most retweets on a tweet of my own ever, although it was your words. But it was, 90% perfect and published always changes more lives than 100% perfect and stuck in your head. And that's basically the thrust of your new book. So I was not surprised.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I think I've often thought about. I just think that with this book, I wanted to take a look at the continuation of like, well, what's true about goal setting? And what have we just heard? that's not true. And part of the reason I didn't put perfectionism even on the cover was there are people that still think, ah, perfectionism is a goal. I want to strive to be perfect. (laughs) And it's just not
1: it's not how it works. As I was reading this book, I had—I don't know why, maybe because I'm a sci-fi person or whatever, but I kept thinking of perfection and the way that you describe it as I went through the book and all the different ways that it comes up and kind of comes back in a different form as this kind of... Giant multi-headed dragon that was like, all right, if this head doesn't get you, this next one will. And if, you know, manage to fight off that one, I got another one for you. And I'll come at one that's the opposite of the other one. And it just seems so ridiculous. But it resonated true every single time you kind of approached this perfectionism dragon.
2: You're right in that it keeps shifting. So, you know, from the like, say at the beginning, at the beginning, it says you'll never be able to do that. So say you, you know, you say, I want to write a book. You'll never be able to do that. And so then you dare to try and it goes, all right, not only can you do it, it has to be perfect, which is the opposite of what it just said. It just got finished saying you'd never be able to do it. And now not only does it say you can do it, but it has to be perfect. And so I think it's, yeah, I would say it's one of the most flexible things where it's just always kind of, it's so malleable to your situation that There's not a time where you're like, oh, good, I got it behind me. Now I'm now I'm fine. Like, I think it's always willing to tweak itself and do something different. That's what to me is so interesting about the challenge.
1: Yeah. And and the other key piece here for me was I just kept thinking, oh, gosh, there's a lot of work to be done when it comes to figuring out which approach or which attack it's going to take.
2: But I do think it manifests itself differently for different people. Oh, totally. Um, I think it's a, it's a very personal thing. And so that's, what's funny is that, I mean, you've had situations like that where you'll tell somebody, Oh, I'm really struggling with blank. And if they don't struggle with it, they're like, why don't you just do it? Like, Mm -hmm. just do that thing. And you're like, Oh, it sounds so it, why didn't I think of that? You know, like it's the easiest thing ever. Like for some people, food is really easy for other people. Like food is super difficult. And if it's not your form of difficult, other people have a hard time understanding, like, well, just get over it. You're like, oh, well, thanks. That was super helpful.
1: Well, I think that's the thing for me that locks this in with, like, validity is, well, one, not only did you have somebody actually do a ton of research on the people that were doing the 30 days of hustle that was a legit person doing the research, but also... You had a cross section of a bunch of different people from all different personalities and walks of life and different goals they were attempting to pull data from. So it rings true.
2: People talk about what they call narrative bias, which is I haven't experienced my own life. And then I tell you, if you do these things, you'll have the same experience. And I'm pulling from one source, me. And that's a really small, narrow way to do it. So I wanted to find a topic that was big enough and broad enough that. A company could say to me, hey, we've got a sales team. We want them to finish their quarterly goals. And I could say, great, I know how to do that. Or, hey, I've got a mom's group and they're all trying to get back into the workforce after raising kids. How do they do that? Well, great. Or I'm writing a book. And so that's what was so fun is that the content is kind of what they call content neutral and that you get to apply it to your thing. I didn't want to write a book that you could pick up and go, ah, but I'm not dieting or, ah, but I don't want to write a book or, ah, I don't work at a company. I wanted to – you know, and that do-over was more specific to a, OK, you're going through a career transition. And if you weren't, I completely understood you going, nah, you know what? I like my job. Like I don't, I don't need that book. This one, hopefully it's going to be really hard for people to self-select out of it.
1: Yeah, this one's applicable to and I know that's the, the the downside of like, who's this book for? Well, it's for everyone. But really, this is one of those cases where that's just true, because we all unless you don't want anything more in life like that. This book's not for you if if that's the case.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I would say, like, if somebody said, who's it not for? Because I think that's a good question for authors to answer. Like, it's not for my wife. Like, my wife is a great natural finisher. Like when, like if we go to like a motivation, like say we go to a goal setting, like like in Nashville, there's so many nonfiction people here. So say we go to like a goal setting conference one night. She's like, well, duh, everybody does that. And I go, no, they don't. Like, so there's when it comes to goals, there's really three types of people, and the book's only for one type. The first type of people are natural finishers who just get it done. Like Tim Ferriss tracks his blood regularly. Like he would. I think this book would confirm a lot of the things he's doing. I think it would help him, but I think he's doing pretty awesome. Like he's so a natural finisher. The second group it's not for are people who don't believe in the power of goals. Those are those people that are like he's so sarcastic and so kind of belligerent about they look at the whole self-help industry or improvement industry and go, oh, it's nonsense. It's about unicorns and it's fake. And, and I'm like, I'm not going to try to convince you like, great, go do your life. I've got no problem with that. The third group who I write for, like my people are people who try and know it's challenging and want some help. And so I don't have to tell you sticking to a diet is hard. You're like, yeah, it's really difficult. Or I don't have to tell you writing a book is difficult or you know, finding a date is difficult. Like these things you have goals for aren't easy because you know and if I come along and say, hey – Got this thing, I researched it, but it's really funny. So it's this weird mix of like funny but also like full of science, and you might be helped by it. You're the kind of person that's gonna go, sign me up, like I wanna hear more.
1: Yeah. And and I think this is Ooh. right in the, the sweet spot for a lot of the people who have been listening to this show for a long time and know that I try, even though we're talking about topics like time management and productivity and how to produce more or the same amount as you did before, but in less time or energy. And some people still listen because they want to cheat or a shortcut. But th- this show is not meant to be a distraction from getting work done. And neither is reading this book. It's not meant to be just another self-help book in the, the merry-go-round of, you know, another gen- yet another book, yet another app, yet another approach to get you. Th- because, again, that's one of the perfection things right there.
2: Yeah, you could, I mean, you could read a thousand self-help books and never change anything. And that doesn't, you know, it's like reading a thousand books on swimming. Like eventually you have to get wet. No offense to books about swimming. Like at some point the water becomes part of what you're doing, you know?
1: So... I want to touch on some of these dragon heads. I know you don't refer to it in the book that way at all. I'm totally coming up with that analogy myself. So don't go buy in the book and then looking for dragon heads. That'd be it's
2: disappointing.
1: No yeah. 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 So disclaimer, no dragon heads. But you, despite having all these different people, like we said, in these 30 days of hustle groups, found some similar uh, things like the fact that most people quit on day two.
2: Yeah, that was surprising. I mean, I think in our heads, we think most people quit day 15 of a 30 day thing. But the reality is we quit the day that work starts. And that was part of what I wanted to do with this book. The problem is we have all these myths about goals and myths like um, the start, like well begun is half done. The hardest part of any journey is the first step. And that if you put that under a microscope for two seconds, you realize, no, it's not. Like if a surgeon said to you, as soon as I make the first incision, I'm half done. You'd be like, you're a terrible doctor. The first step is never the hardest part. The middle sucks. And so what happens is we think that the excitement and the joy of the start will last longer than it really does. And I would argue, my my personal belief is the start is one day long. Like from day zero to day one is the start. Day one through almost to the end is the middle. And then the finish is like one day. But we think it's like 10 days to start, 10 days to middle, 10 days to finish. That's not how it breaks down at all. And if it was, it'd be way easier. And so what happens is part of the reason people stop one day too is they judge their their motivation as their fuel. And so they go, oh, the motivation is not the same. I should stop. And it's always going to be lower as you work on it. That's just that's just part of how how it works. There's always this – Burst of euphoria at the beginning. And if you judge your euphoria levels for your action levels, like you're you're in trouble.
1: Reading this part of the book, it reminded me of that well-known productivity trick that people attribute to Seinfeld where he talks about every day I go and I write and I go to my calendar and I check it off and it's you know, don't break the chain. But what happens when you suddenly break the chain? Well, we then quit.
2: And that's why, you know, I call it the day after perfect. And so the problem is we tend to grade ourselves on an all or nothing. We don't want to be. We want A pluses or zeros. I think one of the stories I put in there was a girl who who bought a violin who's always wanted to play and she's only played it three times. And she said, but if I play it and I'm not good, then my dream of being great will be proven incorrect. So I'd rather not play it and not know than play it and know. And that's that's about perfectionism. Um, You know, my wife said that to me the other day. I just got a road bike um, and I rode with some friends and I was dead last. Like, I mean, I like, I run, but like biking's a different form of stamina and shape. And like, I just, I was dead last, dude. And she was like, were you okay with that? And I was like, I think so. she's like, no, you weren't. Like, <laughs> you thought you'd be better. And like, there's that sense. Like, but why can't I go, I've owned a bike for an hour. I should be dead last. That's not failure. That like, that's A-okay. But we're so, we we're very difficult on ourselves
1: yeah and that's again one of those like it 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 flip flops it's the it's either all black or all white it's either no i I don't know if I can do it well now I know that I can't do it perfectly, so I should just give up and it's like no you're you're kind of both right. Let's just go in the middle and put some progress on the board,
2: yeah, and be okay to stack stack it up over time and yeah. not expect it to be great right out of the gate.
1: that was one of the things that I really liked was you were talking about uh and, and this is kind of the the anti perfectionism in terms of, you know, the black and white, it's where you stack it up and you, you move forward where you were reading a hundred books in a year. And that resonated with me because there was a, uh, gosh, this was years ago. It was like 20 years ago. Seriously. I took a semester off from college and I had 109 books in, uh, from like May to, to January. And, and I did the same thing where I was like, you know what? There, there's rules here where some people say you didn't read 109 books. Well, no, some of them were audiobooks. books and it, seeing it stack up and having that be part of the data, which we can get to in a little bit, uh, just made me feel like, whoa, I can build my own momentum. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to read, you know, one book a week. I can do one in two weeks or, you know, and, and there wasn't a there wasn't an end goal. It was just read more. So yeah. And I, I, I think.
2: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I think that might be part of my next book is the idea of like, you set the rules. Cause I, you know, I wrote about that. I like, I've read, I've been so casual on the rules. And I've, I just finished my 85th book and it's July. So like, I'm going to hit probably 156 books, which is three books a week, which I've never done more than 10 books a year. And so you go, well, how? What are the rules? Cause people, you know, it's the same with you where people would see me posting a graphic novel and they'll go, that doesn't count. And I say, T- according to who? Yeah. Like it's my, and, and so like audiobooks, not only do they count, dude, audio at 1.5 speed counts. And so when people are like, oh, that book was too short or no, like if it's a book, then I'm going to count it as a book. Now I wouldn't like, I would never say, Hey, podcast episodes count. Or I wouldn't like, there's, there's rules like that, but your ability to kind of be generous with the rules. It's the same thing with exercise. Say your goal is I'm going to run five days a week. And one day, dude, you just don't have it in you. And so you walk that day. Like if you told yourself doesn't count, I walked, I, I would say, well, did you burn calories? Like, were you outside? Like, did you get some exercise? Then great. Like we're, we tend to be jerks to ourselves though, when it comes to our goals.
1: Totally. Well, my goal currently, and I've got some people I'm doing this with is 30 minutes of physical activity. So Mowing the lawn, push mowing the lawn counts for me.
2: 100%, dude.
1: And, you know, and if I can go and do the treadmill and push it because I'm feeling it that day, boom, I've got it. And yeah, if, great. And uh, if I get out and just walk the neighborhood, again, another win. Now, the other cool thing is I've also got it in place where it's like if I happen to break the chain because it just doesn't fit, like, I'm not done. Tomorrow's the next piece. I just keep going.
2: Yeah, so. you just pick it back up. That that to me is the big challenge. And again, you start out, I didn't start out with a huge goal. I started out with like, I'm going to read 24 books this year. And then I just started to get into the zone. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I enjoy the interaction with people. Like, it's, I don't know. I It's, it's fun to kind of do something people don't think is possible. I like that there are people that like, you must be skimming. Like, and I, I'm reading, no, like, I don't read the acknowledgements because who cares, but I'm reading the books. I just, part of what inspired this was I had an entrepreneur say, hey, I have a secret to reading a book a day. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And so then I went to his website and his secret was skim. And I was like, well, that's not reading. That's like, <laughs> I have a secret to not smoking. Just smoke half. And it's was like, well, that, you're still smoking. Like your secret is stupid. And so I wanted to figure out, could I actually do it? And then you know what it's like. Like when you do it, you start to do other things. You're like, oh, that wasn't impossible. What else could I do that I didn't think I could do? And that's where it gets fun to me.
1: When it comes to hiring, don't search for great talent match with them, thanks to Indeed. With Indeed, you can ditch that busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Indeed leverages over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, making their matching engine your go-to because it's constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use it, the better it gets. I used to be involved giving my input into the hiring process for a few key roles that were connected to mine. And man, do I wish we had Indeed back then, because we could have gotten much higher quality hires using Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility on Indeed.com at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I love my dogs like I love my children. I care about them, well, one more than the other, but we won't get into that. But I am committed to giving them both the best. And if you feel that way too, like your dog is a member of the family, then you've got to serve them top quality food that they deserve serve them nom nom-nom. nom. Nom noms made with 100% premium ingredients. That means zero fillers or funky stuff. My dogs love these great tasting meals and their nutritional needs are different than ours. That's why NomNom's nutrient-packed recipes are developed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, freshly made and shipped free to your door. Right now, you can get a 50% no-risk two-week trial at Trinom.com slash beyond. Say goodbye to boring dog food. Your dog deserves a reason to run to their bowl every single meal, every single day, and all dogs are individuals, so they deserve to be served like it. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food personalized to your dog's preferences and unique caloric needs. And again, 100% premium ingredients, no funky stuff. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at Trinom.com slash beyond. That's Trinom.com slash beyond for 50% off. Trinom.com slash beyond. What's something that works so well it basically feels like magic? For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, definitely, meeting free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Crystal Payne, who we both know, has this saying that I love, which is, let me make sure I get this right. Discipline begets discipline. Oh, yeah. You start getting some wins and you start gaining momentum, and then it spreads out into other areas of your life that you didn't even have a goal in.
2: Yeah, 100%. That's always how it works.
1: What's the difference now for you personally in kind of moderating? the old 30 days of hustle mentality and guiding people that way versus this new thing you're doing, which is the summer of finish. And it's still, they were both basically 30 days, Yeah. but I think the approach has got to be way different now.
2: Well, I mean, this one, this one, like with summer finish, I really wanted to do like an eight week course, but you also have to realize you're not in that, like the motivation mode works best in January. It just does. Mm -hmm. Um, It'd be like a candy salesman trying to say like, hey, "Eric, I'm gonna sell more candy in July than October," and you'd say, "No, you're not." Like the whole country is focused on candy for Halloween, and so I'm recognizing that. But then I'm also recognizing, I'm trying to, you know, continually learn, continually go, okay, this thing I thought was true is still true, but there's this other part of it that I need to tweak. And I think the biggest thing for me with just how I serve people is recognizing. It's easier to serve individuals and specific groups than it is a broad audience. So I looked at my broad email list and said, I don't know what to write people. They're so different. So I looked at it and said, what are some groups within my audience? What are some things I feel good about writing about? And then I like Venn diagrammed and the overlap I wrote about. So for me, the best thing the last three months has been I have a writer's list, a speaker's list, an entrepreneur's list, a health list, and a parent list. And you know exactly what you're going to get. Like if you sign up for the writer's list, you're going to get some really awesome information about being a writer. If you sign up for the parent list, it's going to be about parenting. And that's been game changing because now I can serve those people with exactly the thing that will be the most helpful.
1: That's interesting. I like that. And that, again, goes back to that whole idea that we're all very different people and we've all come from different backgrounds, but we've all created these secret rules that apply to us and sometimes apply to others or not to others, double standard. But, uh, yeah. and, and I'm, I am excited to see you maybe go deeper on that. I know that there's tons of, room there I mean that was the thing I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna have and you even say this like you got to do your homework on this one like you probably have secret rules stacked on secret rules that you don't even know are in your life that are holding you back that's what some of the therapy stuff is good for
2: hopefully that's something you think about the same Mm -hmm. way that like um the art of war I mean the war of art Stephen Pressfield's book like he raises questions about resistance that you don't read one page and go oh I got it all figured out like, nice. instead, you read it and go, oh, OK. And then, like, in your car a week later, you're at a red light and you go, oh, yeah, that's what he meant by, like, uh fear is an indication of the right direction. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And then you, you know, like, it's like that versus you check a box and go, and now I understand fear. Like, you probably won't. Deep stuff takes deep time, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it takes unpacking. I mean, I'm gonna have to. I didn't skim this book, but I read it quickly. Let me put it that way, because uh, I'm I didn't follow that entrepreneur's you know advice to skim sure. the book. But uh, I marked a bunch of stuff down and said I've got to come back to this because there's I need to get realistic myself and bomb some stuff. Uh, which let's let's talk about that. Like bombing some stuff basically is saying. You can't move forward. My, I have a boss who says this all the time. You can't start something without stopping something. Uh, but you don't have to stop something forever. You can just stop it temporarily to finish a thing.
2: Yeah, it's it's not. And that's the thing. Like we sometimes have a forever mentality. Um, but you're 100% right. So choosing what to bomb. The problem, again, like as we kind of peel back, what does that really mean? Like you, everything you see in a book or on Instagram, you should ask yourself, but what does that really mean? What does that really mean? And so people will say, most goal books go, oh, you're doing a goal? Make sure you have a goal for each major section of your life. And most people, it's seven sections. So they say physical, financial, spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, whatever. So that would be like if you told me, John, I'm going to learn German. And I said, well, make sure you learn six other languages at the same time. Like you would say, well, that I won't learn German then. And I go, no, you're like, it's the best way you have to have. So I just think we take on too much and then we don't admit we don't admit when we have too much going on. It kind of maybe you've had this happen at companies. Sometimes what companies do is they employ quits, like say person B quits. And so they don't hire a new person. They just spread that person's jobs out to other people. And they keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing it until people are like, hey, I'm doing seven jobs in one pay. And so I'm a big believer. And as you add a goal, not just going more, 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 but saying, OK, during this season of training for a half marathon, I'm not going to be able to do these other five things. Like like this fall, as I travel and speak about the book and do other things, like I know it, there will be parts of my life that I just have to temporarily push pause on or simplify. That was that was one of my favorite stories in the book is a really busy mom said, during a busy season at work, my kids know that clothes get clean, but not put away and dinner gets made, but it's hot dogs or pizza rolls. Like she, cause she couldn't say to her kids, I'm busy. So you're just going to wear dirty clothes, but she could simplify it. So sometimes life's just not perfect where you get to say, I want to, you know, not do this for the next four months. Like your boss would say, well, too bad. That's your job. But you can figure out ways to simplify or delegate or tweak.
1: Yeah, that was the other thing I was thinking of was this idea that we all have personal goals. But what if it's like at work and it's like, uh, my goals are set by somebody else. How do I suddenly say cut my goal in half or double the timeline and make a case for that to my boss?
2: Yeah, I think that's what's been fun is that this is the most company-friendly book I've ever written. Obviously, like do-over... Quitter, like books like that weren't aimed in the same direction. But what I'm finding is companies recognize, okay, so they cut your goal in half, which is about overdreaming, coming up with a goal that's too big, and then failing. And so the the lesson there isn't always cut your goal in half. The lesson is really have the goal the right size from the beginning. So what I'd say to a company is have the right size goal, and more than that, create a culture where people can be honest about their goals. So the problem with most companies is that questions are viewed as negativity. Questions are viewed as doubt or like, oh, you're not a team player. So if I raise my hand in a meeting and go, hey, I'd love to see the numbers that you use to come up with that aggressive goal. Like that's received as like, oh, Johnson's not on the team. He's not, he doesn't believe in our company or our brand. We're like, maybe he just, he's a data guy and wants to make sure like we're not doing something stupid. This book Especially chapters like having fun. Like, this book, Mm -hmm. I think, is going to be really helpful to companies that want to improve their performance. Like, we've already had a company buy 5,000 copies because they said, we want every employee to read this. Because I still have not met a company that said, you know, our people get too many goals done. Like, we wish they did less. Like, no, company, this is like mana for companies, I think.
1: Yeah, totally. I could see that. I mean, I could see some companies really getting behind the whole making it fun idea. And, and again, with a goal, it's not just, well, I'm going to go find a goal that's fun, which is nice. and, And it's a bonus, but again, not all worthwhile goals are intrinsically fun, but they can be engineered to be fun.
2: Yeah, that's the, I think that's the myth. So, you know, the research we did shows that if you have fun, you're more successful, not just like you enjoy it more, you're actually more successful. Now the pushback would be, well, not everything that I have to do is fun. And I agree. So the principle isn't have fun. That's I mean, eating cake is fun. The principle is make it fun if you want it done. So to do that, you have to be deliberate, you have to intentionally add fun. And not in a way, you know, a lot of companies they hear the word fun, they're like, Oh, yeah, because Google has a water slide in their lobby, but we're not Google, we do healthcare. And you go, Okay, well, that's fine. But let's Let's using motivational science, find the ways to make this enjoyable for people.
1: Totally working in a business and you're, you're making your goals fun and you're hitting the right goals and you're even finishing them. But oftentimes we've got people that come up and distract us or we've got so many different goals or other, other ideas that are either thrown at us or we come up with, I know we both suffer from that. It's like, Oh, I just had another new idea. Great. Oh yeah, totally. you know, like I know you've wanted to do a, to do a podcast for a long time, but the perfect time to do that is after you finish the book, not before.
2: Exactly. And there's all, you know, there're always and that's part of what, you know, people ask me, "Why is the last day difficult?" The last day is difficult because new ideas are easier to start than they are to finish. So, you know, when you write a book, like, man, you find out so many good ideas on the day before you publish your other one. And you're like, "Oh, I got to put them in, I got to put them in," and you don't finish. And so that, I mean, that's part of the challenge.
1: Yeah. Well, and I loved what you said about saying later instead of never when it comes to those new ideas.
2: Yeah, that's been a learning experience because I used, there was a part of me that used to be like, later's for losers. Like, you got to do it now. But like, that's not true unless it's taking medicine and I'm going to die if I don't do it. If the rest of the day goes well, I'll get to do something tomorrow. And I, you know, and not doing it today doesn't mean failure. It means that's just planning. Like, and it's okay to have a late. And part of why people don't finish is they're afraid of what's next, because they're afraid of like, well, if I finish this, what will I do next? I, you know, and if you work on later, you have a what's next list. And so when you finish one thing, you go, All right, time to take out the list of the 17 other things I've been dreaming about. Like I'll do a podcast and it'll just have to it'll be later, and that's fine.
1: I got to ask this. This is another personal type question. I did not even attempt to try to count, but I see you in my Twitter and my Instagram feed often. And most people are swiping through social media on like an endless loop. But I suspect for you, you're using social media like a comedian uses a stand up stage to practice your craft.
2: You mean versus like just doing stuff.
1: Yeah, because I think most people they aren't using it the same reason that you use it. They're using it to they're not checking it like email or at least how you should be checking email once or twice a day and then walk away. They're like on there constantly in consumption mode. Where I think you're there, pr- and and I think a lot of people would see that and wonder. Well, wait, John's like saying I want to finish my stuff, but he's always on social media.
2: No, I mean I don't I don't feel like I I mean. Sometimes I am, but for the most part, I'm trying to be deliberate with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and part of the benefit there is that I tweet enough that like when pre-sales launch, I'm able to I'll be able to do as many promotions as I want because there's other content. I don't have to worry about like, oh no, it's all promotional. Like, no, it's not. A bunch of it's fun and personal. And and for me too, like some of that stuff takes a lot less time than it seems like. So, you know, maybe the photo that I just posted, you thought, oh, man, I can't believe you took that photo. I might have had that photo for a a week. I just couldn't figure out the right caption. And when I figured out the caption, it took me 10 seconds. I think you should be deliberate with it. I don't, but I don't, I don't surf social media as much as I do, like, use it to share ideas and get reactions to ideas.
1: And I think that's what I was pointing out is I think that a lot of people, are stuck in consumption mode. And that's one of the things they could easily bomb is all this time they're spending unintentionally using social media, whereas you're using it intentionally.
2: Yeah, I, I see it as a tool. I mean, I, you know, I will, of the, of the platforms, probably Instagram is the one that I might spend the most time on kind of going like, oh, what's going on with my friends? But I mean, like, I might go to Twitter moments just because I'm curious, like, what are the things in Nashville everybody's talking about? Like, oh man, I didn't know that. Um, but I'm not, no, I use it more as a megaphone than I do anything else.
1: Yeah. I just know that's one of the topics that a lot of people talk to me about because I work in social media during my day job. And so it's like, yeah, well, how do you use it separately from work? Well, I kind of don't, not often at least, because I'm already on there all the time. You know, I'm trying to eliminate the distractions when I'm not working. So, well,
2: and, and the other thing is like, because it is part of my job, it's different. It's the same when people would say to me, Hey, uh, you need to talk about God more and, on your social media platform. And I want to say, How many emails did you send to your office this week about, your, about God? And if they go, Oh, I can't do that, it's my job. Well, social media is my job, but you just don't understand that's my job. Most people don't have an understanding of that. So it does seem like, Oh man, you, you did a live video at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Well, it's my job. Like, I wasn't hiding out at work. Like, that's my job. So I just think it's different.
1: We can't ever truly get rid of every distraction. We, we feel like, I mean, again, that's another one of those lies where it's like, I must have distraction free zone created environment and all that kind of stuff. But it's not like our mind isn't already the best at creating intangible distraction in the form of thoughts and feelings inside us.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. It, it, it's a perfection. You're right. It's another trap of perfection. Like, I just need to be centered or quiet enough to think of the idea. Like, I think you should do everything you can. But it, I mean, it kind of reminds me, and I wrote this in the book, like my friends who are like, I'm so productive on planes. They can't then go, so I can only work on a plane. Like what a great way to only work a couple of times a month. You know, instead they need to go, what's consistent about a plane that I can do in my own life? Like today is a great example. Like we're getting a new roof. So I'm just, I'm walking around our house trying to find the quietest spots of our house. It's <laughs> like 17 men beat on the roof. And it's like, that's just life. Like there's going to be roofers. Like, and a lot, sometimes it, you're right. They're in your head. Like. It's loud in there.
1: I honestly can't work on a plane. I go the opposite route and I say no. That's my rest time, so that I'm. Oh, not there's a dog lot of people
2: tired. do that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people that like that are not happy about um, like Wi-Fi on a plane, where it's like, oh, now I'm I'm accessible, and I don't like that. And and I I mean for me, I guess it depends. I go but bo- I go both ways. Like on the way out to an event, maybe. I'm productive on the way back. I'm just whooped. Like mm-hmm. I just can't like I can't force myself to try to come up. Or if it's a super early flight, and I'm just dead. Like forget it. I'm not going to feel feel bad.
1: Well, speaking of feeling whooped, data is one of those things that can kind of resurrect or center us back into realizing that we've made momentum already. So we can keep going and and who cares if we broke a chain? You've got a ton of different measurable things that we can easily measure that are obvious, but we don't think about it in order to do this. What are some of those things?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to write more, page count, um, word count, hours spent, if you're trying to exercise more, it can be steps or calorie or food you've eaten. Um, You know, anything, time is always a measurement. So anything that you're doing, you can measure via time. I mean, some people would say, well, my thing's really vague. Like, I don't know. But I think we live in the most trackable data-driven universe ever. So there's always something you can say. I mean, I remember my friend's a comedian. He had an Excel spreadsheet for um, time he had practiced, you know, minutes he had put into it. So you can always find a metric. The good thing is, which I say in the book, is data tells the truth. Your emotions are awesome and they're important, but they're liars. And so the example I use is a friend of mine who was trying to lose weight. And he said, oh, it was so much easier last time. And the problem is his emotions got to lie because he didn't have data from last time. So if he had data, he might have gone back and gone, wait a second. It was just as hard. Like it took me just as many weeks to do this. And the example I use with business, I mean, business is all about data is thinking, oh, I'm going to sell 10% of this audience and having my buddy Brian Elaine go, actually, 1% is our highest. If I didn't know that, then 4% would have felt like a huge failure. But 4% knowing that last time was 1%, I go, oh, my gosh, that was great. And so I encourage people to get a few data points. They don't have to be crazy. I'm not doing page count of the books I'm reading, for instance. Uh, Who cares? That's dumb. I just know this is number 85, this is number 86. Knowing that number, I I enjoy that because then I can go, Okay, I'm averaging twelve a month. So at the end of the year, I'll be on scale for da 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 da. Like that's fun to me.
1: Yeah, and and th- to be able to say like, oh, 86, like that's not nothing. That's you know, that's the equivalency of somebody who's trying to lose weight saying, hey, I've already lost twenty. Or yeah, I'm already,
2: exactly. You know, like, so you know, you know, you know something. Yeah, I you know, I just I enjoy how that kind of stacks up and what that looks like and how we you know how we feel about that.
1: I really think everybody needs to go get this book. I mean, this is one, this is probably the best book you've written. I think it is. So
2: I think it is. I mean, I think it's the, and you, you know, you want to try to improve on everyone. So I I do like that. John Mayer would like, I've heard John Mayer say before, like that album wasn't good. Like, and he was honest about it. So, you know, I don't, an author who says every book is great is as useless as a waitress that says every meal is great. No, they're not like, (laughs) If you're in Oklahoma, you probably shouldn't have a bunch of scallop-like dishes because you're in Oklahoma. Like that's okay. Um, and so, but I do think the research for me on this one, and then the process um, of how it kind of all came together, like I think it's the most helpful, and I think it's I think it's really fun and funny, and, and I think I don't know. So I keep reminding myself like I don't control the miracle. Like if it does really well, awesome, but I don't I don't control that, you know.
1: Yeah, John. It's Great. been awesome talking to you. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks at, down in Nashville. And this yeah, has been it'll fun. be
2: fun. It'll be fun. Well, thanks for letting me do it again, Eric. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. See you, buddy.
1: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with John Acuff. And I hope that you became a little bit more enlightened or aware of where you're self-sabotaging yourself when it comes to your goals. I hope that you found something useful in this podcast episode, and if you did, would you do me the favor of sharing this episode? Think about somebody that you know needs to hear it, and hit that share button in whatever podcast player app of choice you're using to listen to the show in, where you're subscribed. And if you're not subscribed, go ahead and do that too. But let somebody know about this episode so that they can get the help that they need towards their goals. You can also share it by going over to beyondthetodolist.com where you'll find the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next episode.